They're not consumed. They are fresh every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Those old great hymns have powerful messages, don't they? Let me ask you, has God been faithful to you? Amen. Amen. Have you been faithful to him? Amen. Amen. Well, today uh, we finish up the book of Hosea. If you'll turn with me to chapter 14. Uh, we have, for the past 14 weeks, Pastor Matthew and I have tried to carry you through um, the book of Hosea to let you see and understand the powerful message. He is the first of what is called the minor prophets, not minor because of his message uh, at all, because his message is so powerful. It's there at a time in which the nation of Israel is being devastated. They have fallen so far away from their relationship with God. They were trying to say that they still loved God, but they loved all other types of false gods. They wanted to just see God as something that, you know, that uh, they would uh, see as a part of their lives, but not make him Lord of their lives. They had uh, committed spiritual adultery and through this book we have seen all the the promise that God has made that he will provide for them but also we have seen the promise of his judgment upon them and in just a short time uh, Hosea's message will come to fruition and that is that God is going to allow a foreign nation to come and to take the ten northern tribes captive. This is somewhere in the neighborhood of 722 B.C. And it's at this time where the nation of Israel will be taken out of their land. And let me just pause and say here something that I believe with all of my heart, and I believe that the Bible teaches and I've studied the Bible now for since um, 1976. Uh, studied it with all my heart um, for years and years and looked and looked. And I've looked at all the different theologies and all the different ideas. And I've come to this conclusion that the nation of Israel, as the Bible says in the book of Zechariah, is the apple of God's eye. His promises to the nation of Israel through Abraham are absolutely true and real. Yes, even to the borders of the physical property of that nation. And here we see that one of the hardest things for a, an Israelite to do was to be taken out of their land because the land was a gift from God to them. In fact, he told... Um, Abraham, to get up and go to a place that I will show you. And he says, you, as you look into the heavens and you see the stars, uh, your posterity will be greater than the stars. He said, look at the oceans and see the sands on the sea. He says, your posterity will be greater in number than the sands of the sea. 
And I believe with all my heart that God has a special, special place for that nation. But because of their disobedience, God has brought judgment and has taken them out of their land. In 1948, they began to come back. And we see that Israel was proclaimed and accepted in the United Nations as a new nation. And ever since then, people have been, the, the Israelites have been coming from all over the world, coming back to their homeland, which I believe is, a, is, is, is something that's going to happen before the Lord Jesus comes in the, for the rapture of his church. And I believe that the whole purpose of the tribulation period as the church is taken out is that the nation of Israel will go through a time of tribulation and God will bring them to him and they will accept as a nation the Jesus Christ as their Messiah, Lord and Savior, because Jesus Christ, I believe, is physically going to come and sit on the throne of David in the temple and there he will proclaim and rule the world for a literal thousand years here upon this earth that's what i believe and i believe the bible teaches that it's so clear but all of that said it starts right here with hosea and all that he has done because he has a plan for israel and that plan is to bring them to him look with me in hosea chapter 14 beginning in verse 1 i want to read the passage it says oh israel Return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we stay any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods for in you the fatherless finds mercy i will heal their backsliding i will love them freely for my anger has turned away from him i will be like the dew in israel he shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like lebanon his branches shall spread his beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like lebanon those who dwell un under his shadow shall return they shall be received like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them but transgressors stumble in them here we see in chapter 14 god's promise of the dawning restoration of israel 13 chapters we've seen hosea talk about the judgment of god the warning of the of the judgment of god coming but here hosea gives us hope Thank God for hope. Have you ever been at a time in your life 
where you realized that your life was going in the wrong direction and you had messed up so bad that you thought that there was that maybe there was not even enough hope to even continue to live have you ever been at that point of desperation where you turned and you said, I don't know how I got here. I don't, how, don't know how I'm going to get out of here. I don't know why all this has happened to me. And then God somehow brings a message of hope and grace to you. And you feel a sense of hope. Someone gives you an encouraging word. Someone points you in the right direction. Someone comes along and puts their arms around you and says, Don't give up. God is still on his throne, and he has a promise, and he has a plan for you if you will trust him and follow him. I want you to see what Hosea has said to the nation here in chapter 14 first look at the call to repentance in verses 1 through 3 what does he say in verse 1 that Israel should return unto the Lord verse 1 notice what he says O Israel return to the Lord your God it is a plea it's an exhortation it's a proclamation he's saying if you would just return to the Lord and forget all these things that have gone on in the past. Walk away from these idols and your iniquity. You have stumbled because of your iniquity. But turn to the Lord and he will give you grace. I don't believe the family would mind. I didn't ask their permission, but it's such a joyful thing. I know they'll be okay with it. But this past week, I had the opportunity to go to the DeSoto County Adult Detention Center. Now, for those of you who don't understand those big words, that's the DeSoto County Jail. Now, as a pastor, I've had lots of privileges to go and talk with people, sometimes at their lowest time. And generally, as a pastor, I see people in two ways. I either see them at their most joyful time, like at a wedding or, or a birth of a baby, but I also get to see them at their most sorrowful and hurtful times. Here is a young man who made some bad decisions, and he is paying for those bad decisions now. But as I walked in and sat down and talked with this, and by the way, I want to tell you, when you walk into that place and you go, I went through nine different doors. And every time I walked past that door, you hear that thing, wham, it would slam right behind you and you get a little nervous. But I just kept praying, Lord. And so we get in and I get to meet this young man. His name is Brent. And I sat down, I looked at him, he looked at me, and the first words out of his mouth was simply this, I, I thank you for coming to see me. He said, um, he told me his story, and I looked at him and I said, Brent, don't let the enemy tell you 
that because of some bad decisions that you made, that that will define your life forever. That Jesus Christ will give you a new life. He will give you new hope. And he will give you a whole new home. And so for about 40 minutes or so, I just sat there. They wouldn't let me take my Bible in, so you better have some word in here, right? And so I'm sitting there, and I just began to just speak to him the words of God. I carried him through what God said about who he was and the plan that God has for him. And I could see a sincerity in his heart. Now, I've been doing jail ministry for many years, and I've seen a lot of jailhouse confessions. But I sensed a tremendous sincerity in this young man's heart. You see, because he had thought that he had messed up and that nobody really cared anymore. And I told him how much Jesus loved him. And although he had messed up, he could have a whole new life. And so after about 35 or 40 minutes of just, just sharing the word of God with him, I looked at him and I said, Brent, would you be willing today, right now, being locked up in this jail, would you be willing to be set free today and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he said, yes, I, I was hoping you'd get there quickly. And had the privilege to lead that young man to the Lord and to say to him, people do care, but most of all, Jesus cares. And that's what Hosea is saying to the nation of Israel. Return to the Lord. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Israel should return unto the Lord. Israel, in verse 2, should restate her words. That is, it says here, take words with you. And it's simply this, that you should, you should take your mouth and you should confess and take your words and, and thank God and bless God and repent of your sin. Psalm 69 says, So I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bull which has horns or hooves. Listen, you can give any sacrifice, you can give any offering, you can give any tithe that you want, and, and we should give those. Those all belong to God anyway. He just makes us stewards of them and see what we're going to do with them. But we should give everything with the praise from our mouth to what God has done for us. Are you thankful today for what Jesus has done for you when he took you from the very miry pits of sin and he gave you a whole new life, a whole new hope, and a whole new heart, and a whole new direction, and a home that you know is eternal in the heavens? Are you thankful today? Are you willing to praise him today for all that he's done for you? Hebrews 13, 5, 15 says, Therefore, by him let us continually, what? Say it with me. Offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So God calls us to repentance. 
to return to him, to restate our words, to repent of our sins. In verse 2, and he says, and to return to the Lord. Psalm 32, 5 says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Do you remember that day when you trusted Christ and you felt, you felt the burden of your sin roll away? I remember that day. I hope I never forget it. Psalm 51, in David's famous psalm here of repentance, if you want to see a psalm of, and know how to really follow repentance and confess your sin, look at Psalm 51. Notice what it says. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only, God, I have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. This is David's repentance of what he had done with Uriah and Bathsheba. And here he comes before God broken. You and I must come to the end of ourselves. We must come broken. I was sitting in a deacon's meeting one time in the church where I pastored, and we were dealing with a, a very horrible, devastating situation. One of the most difficult things I ever dealt with as a pastor in my life. And we were sitting in this meeting, and uh, people had spoken. People were crying. People were angry. Uh, and then there was just dead silence. Kind of like right now. And all of a sudden, the deacon who was taking the minutes, he looked at me and he said, Brother Ken. And I said, yes. He said, did you know that your name spells broken? I thought he was going to come up with some wise thing to get us out of this thing. But when he said that, everybody just kind of laughed, you know, a little chuckle. And it broke the tenseness of that meeting. And I've never forgotten that Brother Ken needs to stay broken before the Lord. Because that's the only way, that's the only way we can ever see God take us and use us. We need to be broken. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Luke 15, 18 says, I will arise and go to my father, the prodigal son, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
First John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We need to repent. You know, some would look at... Uh, those that have made mistakes in their lives and made some terrible decisions, they would look at them, they would say simply this, well, they're getting what they deserve. Well, probably there's partially true to that, but you know what? If you will trust Christ, you won't get what you deserve because you and I deserve the judgment of God. We will get His grace and His mercy. I'm glad to know today that God's message of grace and mercy not only found here in Hosea 14, but it's still here today. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what road you have traveled, if you will bow before the Lord and repent of your sin and confess your sin to Him, He will save you. And He will cover your sin with the atoning blood of Christ. Israel should also be received Notice what it says in verse 2. Receive us graciously, Hosea says. Psalm 50, verses 12 through 14. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and its fullness. God is speaking and saying, I don't need you. It, it, you know, if I was hungry, I wouldn't call upon you. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Do I, do I have to have your... Your animal sacrifices, I, I, don't, I don't have to them have that. What I want is your heart. So it says, offer to me, offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Come to God broken. Come to God realizing you have nothing to offer Him. In my hand, no price I bring, only to the cross I cling. Then we see Israel should renounce her confidence in things other than God. You know, there's so many things today that people trust in. They trust in the fact that they're a good person. Well, I want to tell you something today. There's, there'll be no good people in heaven. Sorry to tell you. There'll only be saved people in heaven. And saved people realize how sorry they are and how not good they are because they believe what the Bible says. There's none good, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us realize we have to come to the point where we realize we have nothing to offer God and that He offers to us by His own sovereign will the gift of eternal life through what Christ has done for us. And we should renounce anything and any, everything that stands in our way. Hosea 14.3 says, Assyria shall not save us. 
You see, they had made a, an alliance with Assyria, even though God had told them through Hosea that he was going to use Assyria to come and take them captive. They said, we're going to short-circuit God here. We're going to outmaneuver God, and we're going to make an alliance with Assyria so that they won't come and take us. But that didn't work. Assyria was a bunch of just ridiculously evil people. And they just took the Israelites' money, knowing that they were going to come and take them captive. You know, they were so, they were known for their vicious and terrible uh, devastation when they would come into a place and take it captive. They would take the women who were expecting a child and they would kill her and then slash her abdomen. They would take salt and pour it into the farmland. They were horrible people. But God used them to bring judgment upon their, on his nation, his people, because his people, his people had sinned and refused to acknowledge him. And they were trusting in their own maneuverability. Then we see the confirmation of blessing. In verse 4, it says, God will heal Israel. How will he heal Israel? It says, I will heal their backsliding. If they will just, if they will just repent, I will heal their backsliding. He, and this is what he says he will give Israel. will give Israel a new heart. Ezekiel 11, 19 and 20 says, Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk uh, in my statutes, and keep my judgments, and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. That's the promise. He'll give us a new heart. Then he says he will give us a healing. He will give the nation of Israel healing. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, it says this, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. God will not only bring and give us a new heart, a heart of flesh, and a heart that's been changed, a heart that's been born again, he will give us a healing in our lives, a healing from the bondage of our own sin, and then Israel will receive a new hope. Ezekiel 36 says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my commandments and do them. That's the confirmation of the blessing. God says, this is what I want to do for you. And then God will heap his love on Israel. Verse 14 says, I will love them freely. Do you realize that that, what that means? That God will withhold none of his love whatsoever that he will lavish his love upon his people. And then we see in verses 5 through 7 that God will help Israel. Hosea 14, verses 5 through 7 says, I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. 
His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. And what he's doing, he's taking those things that agriculturally and naturally that, that all of Israel was familiar with, and he's saying that I'm going to take these things that you love so much, the food that you eat, the, the, the drinks that you have, and I'm going to make them the sweetest and the best tasting in the world. And he talks about the olive tree here. He says, his beauty shall be like an olive tree. Do you know an olive tree? You, when you plant the olive tree, it takes that olive tree 15 years before it will ever produce an olive. Fifteen years. But all that time, you have to nurture it, you have to fertilize it, you have to make sure it gets the proper water. But then if you will do that, and it becomes a fruit-bearing tree, it's one of the most beautiful trees in Israel in when it's blossoming and blooming and the olives are coming on. It's one of the most beautiful trees. But if you will do that, that tree will, can live up to 2,000 years. But you have to put the investment in on the front end. You know, they say that some olive trees are over there in Israel uh, are still there that were there when Christ walked the earth. Imagine, think about that, relate that to, to the nation of Israel. Listen, God is saying here, I'm not through with you. You're like an olive tree. I'm going, to, I'm going to plant you, and it's going to take a while. You're going to go into captivity, but when you go into captivity, you're going to learn some great lessons. And you're going to return to me, and you're going to restate your words, and you're going to repent, and, and I'm going to bless you and keep you and, and provide for you, and I will deliver you. Now, when is this all going to take place? I believe it will take place completely and and absolutely fulfill this promise during the millennial reign of Christ. Notice what he says. Israel will blossom as the lily. She will grow like the lily. Beautiful. Israel will be as bold as the cedars of Lebanon, some of the most beautiful trees in the world. Their wood is just absolutely phenomenally beautiful. And they have, they have long, deep roots. He says, Israel will be as bold as the cedars of Lebanon. And he says, and, and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. And then in verse 6, he says, Israel will be bountiful as the olive tree. His beauty shall be like an olive tree. Now think about this. This olive tree that produces and produces and produces and produces and produces. What did God say to Abraham in his promise? He says, through you and through the nation of Israel, I want to take... And bless the entire world through you. And I don't know about you, but as I look at seeing how God has protected that nation, and yes, even had to judge it at times, but has protected that nation to keep it from being destroyed, as I look at that, the promises of God just swell up in me, and I realize that, that if God is faithful to Israel as he is, and he will be, and he's going to bring it to fruition, he is absolutely going to be faithful to everything else he's ever said. But to say that God is not going to be faithful to Israel and to say that he's not going to bring her to him is to, is to say that God's promises are not real and not true. She will be bountiful. 
Then verse um, 6 says, Israel will be as beautiful as the mountains of Lebanon. And his fragrance will let, when, when the mountains there of this area and all the lilies and all the, the beautiful flowers and things and the beautiful trees were going, and in springtime when things started uh, blooming, it was one of the most beautiful sights you'd see in the world. And he says, that's the way you're going to be. Then Israel will be blessed as those who dwell under the Lord's shadow. Israel will revive as the corn. Listen, have you ever... Well, I know we've got a lot of farmers here, and this is an agricultural area. Thank God for our farmers. But have you ever seen a cornfield after a really bad storm? A few years ago, there was a really bad storm, high winds, tornado-type things came through. And as you looked out, and it was right during, you know, the time when corn was growing, you know, it was up five, six feet, seven feet tall. Some of it started tossling and started blooming, and, and uh, it was at that critical stage. And, man, you, you drive around the county, and you see corn. It was just flattened after that. But you know what? When the sun came out, a lot of that corn stood And I, as he's saying here, Israel will revive as the corn. I picture in my mind how that everywhere we look, that people are trying and institutions are trying and even government is trying to flatten Christianity and trying to flatten the things of God and taking, taking away all the... Uh, the public display of anything that has to do with God. But I believe we will revive as the corn. Because when the Son of God shines upon us, we will stand. Israel will revive as the corn. Israel will run as the vine. You know, I'd like to to plant stuff. I like to have a little farm, not a little farm, but a little um, garden thing there at my house every year. And I planted some um, acorn squash. And I want to tell you, that was the Godzilla acorn squash. That thing started growing and that vine, if you've ever been on my back porch, that vine went all the way down across the 30 feet across the back, 40 feet across the back. Then it circled back around, and I moved it, and it came back down another 40 feet. And then it started climbing over my patio furniture, no, my porch furniture. It wrapped around two or three of my chairs, and it got another direction, and it went back. That thing just would not stop growing. That didn't produce a lot of acorn squash, but it was really growing. And I think I thought about that when I thought that here, Israel will, will run as the vine. There'll be no limit to what God is going to do in and through them. And then Israel will be renowned as the wine of Lebanon, the most tasteful, the most popular people from all over the world wanted the juice that came from the vineyards there.
Psalm 91 says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him I will trust. And verse 7 tells us that Israel will be blessed as they dwell under the Lord's shadow. And then God will give hope to Israel. Hosea 14, 8 says, Ephraim shall say, What have I to do uh, anymore with idols? In other words, they're going to wake up and say, what in the, what, Why was I so stupid? Why, why did I ever go after some of these false gods and, and some of the things that I've done? Why did I not trust God? I see that happen lots of times when people come to Christ. They'll say, man, I wish I'd have done this 20 years ago. God will bring harmony to Israel. He says, your fruit is found in me. And then in verse 9, we see God's concluding observations through Hosea. He says this, the ways of the Lord are right. Verse 9. You know, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. In other words, let's, let's cut through the chase. Let's come down just to, to what matters here. And he says this, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. It all boils down to this. No matter what this world throws at you, no matter what you think, no matter what you're trusting in, no matter how much wealth you have, no matter how good you think you may be, no matter how you, you think that life ought to be, it all comes down to two things. Fear God and keep his commandments. And then we see that the wise and the prudent man knows and rejoices in God's way. Let me ask you something. Has God's ways ever failed you? No, they haven't. Now, you, from your perspective, may have thought it was a failure because you were looking at it from your own perspective and not looking at it as God because God wasn't finished yet. But God's ways are always best. The righteous walk in them. And then we see the just man will walk in God's ways, but the rebel will stumble over them. Verse 9 says, but the transgressors shall stumble. In Matthew chapter 21, it says, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes, and whoever falls on this stone will be, what? Broken. But whoever it falls, it falls on, it will grind him to powder. So see, you can either turn to the Lord, repent of your sin, confess him as your Lord and Savior, or you will one day, as Hosea's proclaimed for 13 chapters before this, you will stand under the judgment of God. And you can stand before the Lord in judgment in one of two ways. 
You can either stand before the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior who took the judgment for you, and when God pronounced judgment, Jesus took your judgment for you, or you will have to stand the judgment of God yourself. So today, will you trust him? Or will you rebel and stumble over them? It'd be like trying to, you know, take a trip from here to Nashville. And you were warned when you got on Interstate 40 that it, that it exit whatever it is there where the, the bridge goes across the Tennessee River, exit 130-something, I think. When you get there, or when you get to that bridge, the bridge has collapsed so you won't be able to go any further. So you start out here and you get on the interstate and you go through Brownsville, exit 55, 56, 57, 60, 70, and on it goes and you're just driving away. And, and everywhere you look, there's a sign, the bridge is out at this exit. And you just keep going and keep going and keep going and you ignore, you ignore the sign, you ignore the warning, and then all of a sudden you get to the bridge and boom, off you go because you had ignored all the warnings. Do you know for a person to die and go to hell, it, it is really hard for a person to die and go to hell. You know why? Because you have to, you have to, you have to get, you have to jump over the church. You have to completely ignore the church. You have to completely ignore the gospel. You have to completely ignore what Christ did for you on the cross. You have to completely ignore all the things that are out there that remind you of who God is. And everywhere that you go, and there's a warning that's saying, turn to Christ, turn to Christ, turn to Christ. But you just plow right over them. Maybe even some in here this morning and some watching by live stream, you're just plowing, going to plow right over the warning today and the, the plea to come to Christ today. And you say, oh, I'll do that whenever I get ready. No, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If God, through the Holy Spirit of God, is speaking to your heart today, open your heart and say yes to him. Come to him. Luke 2 tells us that Speaking of Jesus, that Simeon said to Mary that this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. And what Simeon was saying was, this child is the Savior of the world. And if nations will trust him and follow him, they will rise. But if they don't, they will stumble. He will be the rock that will fall on them. There's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. When Jesus Christ is going to bring in all the nations and judgment will come. Would you today trust Christ? Accept his grace and his mercy and his love for you. That's why he came. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the book of Hosea. It's been a great journey going through and, and following how your, your people, the nation of Israel, 
had turned their back on you, and, but yet in your love and mercy, you still said, if you will return and repent, I will forgive your sin and heal your land. I will have all these blessings for you that can only come from me. And you're so gracious, Lord, and, and so patient with us that you continually do that. So I pray that today as we close our service today and as we close out our journey through the book of Hosea that we'll be reminded of the future that is ours if we will live for you and give our lives to you. So I pray right now if there's anyone in here who's never trusted you as their Lord and Savior that today, right now, they would open their heart and say an everlasting yes to you. Repent of their sin and ask you to come into their heart and to be Lord of their lives. And as we sing this final song, a time of invitation, that they will stand up, step out, and step forward and come and publicly proclaim and confess you today as their Lord and Savior. And it's to that end we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.